All right, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of Behind the Herd. I'm your host, Louis Q. I decided after a while that I finally wanted to kind of get into the podcasting. This coronavirus, like you know, most of my restaurant friends, has uh, got me a little jobless for a little bit. So I figured I have a lot to say. I, I want to talk to you know my, my fellow peers. So why not start a podcast and just float these ideas around? Um, this this podcast is geared towards most restaurant operators, leaders. Uh, managers, however you want to call yourselves, this is geared for you. I do believe that one of the things that we benefit from is an ever, you know, a, a industry that changes constantly. And if you aren't the person that's going to be consistently changing the way you run your and operate your restaurant, then you're going to become a statistic. Uh, this is probably one of the hardest industries to get into. So a lot of these places are being operated by people that either don't know the industry at all because you know they decided to jump in and and try the restaurant industry out. Or um, they're, I don't want to call them old farts, but they're those people that have been in the industry for, you know, 20, 30 years, and they've been doing, you know, things their way for, you know, since, you know, God knows how long, and they're so stubborn that they don't want to change. But, you know, we all know those people, we all know who those owners or even managers are. Um, but you know, you got to really think about it. Those managers are usually the most difficult people to work with because they're not willing to change. They're not willing to accept different things. And in this industry, you know, if you don't know how to adapt, then you're screwed. It's over for you. I mean, you're, you're, you're finished. So it's super important that if you are that, you know, if you're thinking, man, maybe I am a little hardheaded and I, you know, I don't like to listen to other people and I don't take my peers advice very well. You have to realize that eventually, especially in times like this, when, you know, no one can be prepared for a pandemic like this, where people are getting sick and people can't go out. There's nowhere in the rule book or nowhere in the school books that tell you how to deal with this. If you aren't one of those people that's willing to adapt and change, not just yourself, but the culture within your restaurant then you might as well close the doors now. And if you're that person who, you know, doesn't know shit about restaurants and you think that this is going to be a walk in the park, my friend, I'm very sorry to tell you, but it's just not going to work out like that. Um, So, you know, you have to take a really hard look at the kind of manager you are and the kind of manager you want to be. If you're the kind of manager that wants to inspire your team, who wants to change your culture for the better, and who want to learn how to do things, you know, in modern times and at a high level, right? Uh, you know, the, it, it's one thing to just say, okay, well, we get by, we, we do a good job, we have our guests, or, you know, I've been doing this for, for 20 years, I'm not going to change how I do things. Uh, if that, that's you, then thank you guys for your time. But if you're the person that says, I want to learn how to, how to manage not just my 20-something-year-old servers, but I also want to know how to manage my entire back of house who might be from another country, my, my, my hostesses who might be 16-year-old girls, my busters who could probably be 16- to 18-year-old young men who are still trying to figure themselves out. If you want to genuinely learn how to operate at a high level dealing with all these kinds of personalities, Behind the Herds is a podcast for you. It's super important. I think to be able to connect with people, you know, our jobs as restaurant leaders, as restaurant managers, as restaurant operators, not only is to make money, right, to to profit by selling alcohol, by selling food, but it's also to inspire, you know, those servers who are coming in only till they can get their degree and graduate. It's our job to inspire them to finish school, to learn how to manage their money. 
you know, we have that 16-year-old buster that started as a busboy, worked his way up to a cook, and now he's the head chef, right? It's our job to take that young man and mold him into the person that we want him to be, right? It's our job as managers to care about the person as much as we care about the profits. You know, there was uh, uh, one of my old, uh, the owners of one of the bar, uh, restaurants that I worked at in college, Don Luis, he said uh, that people get into restaurants for two different kinds of reasons. One's for the green, one's for the pink. The pink is for the pussy. You know, those are the guys that say, you know what, Ma, I need some money. I'm going to open up a bar. I'm going to fuck hella bitches. I'm going to get money, and I'm going to, you know, live off of that, right? And then you got the people who are in it for the green. They're in it for not just the green and the money, but they're in it like the like the grass grows, right? Like the trees grow. You're in it for longevity. You're in it to be able to not just make beautiful food, but you're there to make beautiful people enjoy beautiful food, right? We're in the people business, and we just happen to sell food at a very high level in a very uh, uh, unique way, right? So if that's you, if, if it sounds like you guys are, are vibing with Louis Q, check me out on Instagram, Twitter, and an email at behindtheherd.gmail.com. Look for us on Behind the Herd on Instagram as well. So let's get to it. First episode of Behind the Herd. We're going to talk about something that's happening right now. It's super real. It, it, it's super close to us. It's the COVID-19 pandemic that we got going on that's putting a lot of restaurants out of business. This is uh, really troubling times if you're a restaurant owner, operator, manager. A lot of us are losing our jobs. Servers, you know, we're having to look people in the eyes and tell them that they're not going to have money to or have a way to make money for their families. And it's a super hard and a super serious situation that we're in right now. So here's an interesting uh, topic that I thought about when I was in the shower. The comeback of the drive-through or the drive-in or however you want to call it. Um, if you think about it, Right now, the, the big fad is, is the retro-themed everything, right? A lot of, I guess if you want to call them millennials or people that are between the ages of, you know, I don't know, 24-ish and like 30-something, we're, we're trying to, you know, we're, we're going up. We're starting to make some money. We're starting to want to bring back those childhood memories. And I think that uh, we like to follow our parents' footsteps the older we get, right? So a lot of these trends that were cool when our parents were around are now becoming a trend again. And I think that something that could possibly make a comeback is something like the varsity where, you know, the drive in, you, you pull up, you place your order from your car, you sit down, you enjoy, you can play some music, you can sit down, you can have a date, bring back that, that, that vibe because people, I think once all this coronavirus stuff is over with, doesn't mean that they're going to start being all friendly again. I do believe that some people will kind of keep their distance and they'll want to have that separation from society. So does that separation um, start this new trend in restaurants and, and fast food uh, particularly, right? Because what's the difference between a food truck and let's say a small drive-in, right? You can have your food truck and own a lot uh, have the cars park up. You can have somebody bring the food, bring the drinks to the cars all in one little parking lot and just kind of have like a little mini party, right, amongst all the cars. Um, so s things like that, I, I do believe, could have the opportunity to make a, a slight comeback, right? You can have gourmet food truck style food uh, operating through a drive-in. I, I think right now is the time to really figure out what's the most efficient way to cook certain foods because if you can get it efficiently and have it have that gourmet slash food truck vibe to it, you could easily, you know, take over one of these small drive-ins and kind of make that push 
to, to fight against the fast food chains, right? So I, I think that there's three really good opportunities that come out of all of this. Um, but I'm really curious to see if the drive-ins, you know, do make some kind of slight comeback just because I feel like people aren't going to want to be around people as much um, or they're going to be more aware of the, the germs and whatnot that come through being in contact with that many people, being in a restaurant full of people you don't know they could be sick. So I think at least the, the, the paranoia or whatever you want to call it will kind of push more, I guess, consumers sitting in their cars and wanting to eat their food there as opposed to going into a restaurant. One of the opportunities, I believe, is, is to-go sales. And I think that restaurants now are definitely going to switch their gear or at least pay more attention to their to-go sales. Um, uh, honestly, to-go sales are what's keeping most all of the restaurants that are still open right now uh, open and running is their ability to adapt to the situation we've been put in and to be able to, one, eliminate labor to where they can still profit off of to-go sales, but two, um, condense their menu into an efficient machine so that they can crank out food because you also got to realize if you're a little mom-and-pop restaurant or even a, a chain like Longhorn or, or some, you know, a Darden restaurant or even Papa's, you have to realize that you're not just competing with the other restaurants in your area that are open still. You're competing with the fast food chains. These guys are, they're built for this. So why am I going to pass up if, if right now money is tight and I don't have money? Why am I going to pass the opportunity to feed my family for $10 when I can go to Wendy's versus, you know, maybe $40 at your local restaurant chain that's doing curbside to go? I got to sit there. I got to pull up. I got to wait 15, 20, you know, minutes. Let's say you're running short because a manager decided to quit and now my food's taking extra long. So the, just the opportunity um, for the consumer makes more sense to go to the fast food chain. So what are you operators doing to continue to get your guests to come to your restaurants? Because if you want to say loyalty, I mean, yes, loyalty to an extent, but you know, I can only be so loyal until I run out of money. So you, I think it's super important that right now during these times that we're being very, very smart with how we're marketing, we're very smart with how we're um, operating and what we're serving at our restaurants, okay? Not just the fried foods, but figuring out what on your menu is going to be able to provide the best uh, and fastest quality product to your consumer, right? Um, curbside to go. Uh, that, that's becoming a, a huge thing right now. And I think that a lot of restaurants weren't ready for it because either they didn't do that many to-go sales or they just weren't ready to handle the kind of volume they were already getting. So I think the opportunity here is for those restaurants that closed down, how are you going to change your to-go system and the ways that you do things. I think a, a really big opportunity coming out of this is delivery systems with restaurants. Um, realizing that you can cut out, I mean, right now, Uber, DoorDash, all these companies are making a lot of money because, you know, they're the only reason why people don't want to go outside of their houses. People are getting food delivered to them. I do believe that if you're like a small mom and pop, you can't afford to, you know, pay Uber however much it costs to, to deliver your food. Or you don't want your consumer to have to, pay an extra $10 in delivery fees and taxes and whatnot just to get your food uh, 40 minutes later because the DoorDash guy had to pick up two orders on his way there to get to your house, right? So figuring out how can we profit and, and figure out a way to 
have our own delivery systems within our own restaurants, I think it's going to be super smart. And I think it'll be a, a quick way for you to uh, change your business model going forward, right? So if you look at, at Chili's, I feel like Chili's was doing it for a while. Um, college, I was a big, big, big Chili's guy. Uh, they had a great margarita deal. It was like $3 for a margarita. You had an extra $2 for a shot of Patron for a double shot. So it was one hell of a deal for a broke college kid. Um, anywho, you know, they, I, think, I think they were doing it really well. And if you haven't had their to-go food, their to-go food takes not that long to come out. And they have the app. Um, right now, let's say you're not a restaurant manager and you just happen to come across my podcast and you're listening, you made it this far and you're like, well, shit, I'm a, you know, a Georgia tech guy, or, you know, I'm a big, big on the apps. I think right now, a huge opportunity for those people that know how to do it, um, would be creating some kind of system, a, a delivery system for restaurants. You know, I, we at, at Papa's just went to a new basically an online to-go ordering system. And at some, you know, it's a great system, but at some points it does lag. Sometimes, you know, if somebody places an order for pickup at 7 o'clock, the order doesn't go through until 7.50, or what would I say, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, whatever, you know, 10 minutes before. So sometimes if you're in the middle of a Saturday rush and you're, and you're weeded, you now got to tell a guest who placed their order probably about an hour ago that, hey, we might be taking a little bit longer. So I think if you can develop a system and sell it to these small mom and pop restaurants, you have, you know, a, a big moneymaker on, you know, right, right there for you. So you're welcome. Um, but anyways, I, I do believe to go is, is going to go, uh, it's going to change the game for to go, I, I think. But I, but I think the, the biggest change that we're going to see from this whole coronavirus uh, pandemic is the government's going to have to take a long, hard look at what just happened with liquor, beer, and wine sales. Um, that's kept a lot of places afloat. You know, the, the profit margins on selling a bottle of wine or selling a alcoholic beverage to go um, is a lot higher than if I sell you that one plate of rice and beans or whatever it is. You know, you, you, the money's in the liquor, right? So I do believe that this is going to create some kind of uh, movement for restaurants and not just restaurants, liquor stores, grocery stores to have delivery system services in place uh, to deliver alcohol, deliver wine, deliver uh, beer, Amazon to be able to start, you know, doing their curbside stuff and just delivering liquor to your door, you know, so you never have to do that again, right? I do believe an opportunity will come out of this um, with curbside drinks as well. Now, if we are doing a lot more to-go sales, right, that means that the time of waiting for your food might go up. Now, I think what would make it really interesting is if we are allowed in these you know, certain cities and districts allow us restaurants to do curbside drinks. So while you're sitting in your car, we bring you a margarita. There's no difference from you coming into the restaurant and drinking that you know, $12 margarita, but now I can enjoy it in my car. Now I don't even have to get out of my car. I can come in my pajamas the way I wanna come, I can order my drink, I can wait for my food, and then take my ass back to my house with my family, right? So it, I think that it's a super interesting concept to think about, you know, as far as the curbside is concerned. Um, but I do believe that to go wine, to go beer, deliveries of this stuff is here to stay. I don't think that, the, you know, the government can just see the profits that right now restaurants are doing on this stuff and just take it away from us, right? That's my TED Talk on how I feel about the 
coronavirus is affecting the restaurant industry and how we can, you know, how we as an industry can change to kind of better ourselves through all this. I do think that if you've made it this far and you're enjoying what you're hearing, I think it's super important to understand that if you're the kind of operator that's thinking, well, we've always done it this way, I don't need some punk-ass kid telling me why to do things, I do think, sir, you aren't probably not going to be in business uh, in the long run only because this industry is, is real cutthroat. It, it has no room for, for you know, the, the fluff. It's a hard industry to be in. And if you aren't changing with the times and if you aren't able to adapt, you know, really quickly, then you're going to become one of the 90-something percent of restaurants that fail. Uh, my philosophy on, on restaurants in general, I do believe that this is the one industry where anyone can do it, right? I have a degree in restaurant management. If I wanted to go into the music industry or, you know, music theory, or if I wanted to go into accounting I wanted to be a lawyer or a doctor, I'd have to go to school for it. I'd have to learn about it. I'd have to take certain tests. I'd have to take all kinds of certifications. I'd have to go through a, you know, a mountain just to get to where I want to be in order to open up my own law firm. Now, you take that same law, law person or you take that same doctor or whatever, and you say, you know what? I'm tired of being a financial analyst. How hard can opening a restaurant be? I'm going to go to the bank, take a loan, uh, I'm going to get a buddy of mine who knows how to cook. He's going to make burgers and we're going to sell burgers, right? Anyone can get a loan to open up a restaurant. Uh, so, I mean, it, it makes it a very unique industry to get into in a very, um, what is it, illustrious or it, it, it's a real sexy industry to get into because if you do it right and if you operate on all four cylinders and if you can sell the booze, you can sell great food, you can make a fuck ton of money doing it. But on the flip side... If you don't do it correctly, if you don't focus on the people, you don't focus on the food, or if you believe your food is all that's going to get you by, but you are real shit on the on the front of house side of it, and you have crappy servers and terrible hostesses, no one gives a shit about how good your food is uh, because the experience isn't there. All right, and if you guys want to weigh in, uh, feel free. Uh, follow us on Instagram at... Behind the Herd. Follow us on Twitter. We also have an email. Email me at behindtheherd at gmail.com. Um, like I said, guys, thank you so much. This was episode number one. Uh, we, we will learn as we go. I will learn to stop saying the word um, but we're going we're gonna to grow together. We're going to have some fun with this. Maybe, who knows, I'll have somebody on the show. So if you are an operator that might want to be on the show, don't forget, shoot me an email, shoot me a DM on Instagram, and maybe we can talk about it. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Tune in for uh, our episode two. We'll let you know when we're getting ready to film that one out. Thank y'all so much for the support. Thanks for the listen. Love y'all. Take care.